Yes, diet and exercise do matter. But as scientists are only now realizing, friendships can add years to your life as well. Together, you have a better chance of enjoying life and making it to 100. Now that's news we need to hear today. Zaraska spends her life reading piles of research papers and studies every year. She often writes about what she learns in Scientific American and the Daily Mail. Rather than merely fret over your bad diet, lack of exercise, she suggests looking at the softer social and psychological. With that in mind, she points out a committed romantic relationship can lower your risk of early death by 49%. In fact, that's the number one thing you can do for longer life. For a Christian, this supports family values. Being not just kind to family and others, but to take deep friendship seriously. You know Christ because the Lord cared for you. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. We're in a series called 10,000 Miles with Paul here on Wednesday. Just 120 miles east of Ephesus sat another city close to the Apostle Paul's heart. It was known for its distinctive purple textiles, the color of royalty. But this city was royal for another reason. Christ had broken in, the gospel had gone forth, and many of the Colossians became sons and daughters of the king, a fledgling community of royalty, heirs of an eternal kingdom, That's what the church in Colossae was about. And as we continue our series, we're going to meet up with Paul on this stop today. In a moment, we're going to look at this ancient city located in modern Turkey. And I want you to hear the unique story of two Christians who lived there. One, a master named Philemon, and the other, his slave, Onesimus. And then after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the epic documentary, in the footsteps of Paul. I'm David Suchet, and I'm on a journey around the Mediterranean, following in the footsteps of a man who 2,000 years ago traveled more than 10,000 miles around the Roman world on foot, and many, many more by sea. That's David Suchet talking about his incredible journey as he walked in those footsteps of the apostle. I asked Ray Bruce, the executive producer of this two-part series, why he thought David Suchet connected with Paul and the audience so well. And here's some of what he told me. He was fascinated with the character of Paul. Again, one of the things that we used in the program, uh, which was the truth, that as an actor, in order to play a role, you've got to try and understand that person the best you can. And Mm -hmm. that's what he did. He studied. But he wasn't like a professorial, you know, I now know this, I'm now going to tell you this. It was basically he was searching for that information that right. would, would empower him to be, you know, to be the act, if he was ever to act St. Paul. Something to remember about the letters which might interest you as an actor, David, is that they were written and they were designed to be read out loud in congregations and in community contexts. So we actually have his spoken word. Yes, I I do think we are capturing the voice. We have, in the letters, captured the voice of Paul. But it it was illuminating, and you you got a sense that it really surprised him. You know, he didn't know this Mm, stuff. mm, mm, And I mm, think mm. 
all those elements of being challenged, being surprised, as you say, it's, it's you know, it's a kind of human response. It's not a academic thing or, you know, teaching or, or, or in that kind of, I'm telling you stuff. It's discovering stuff with the viewer, <laughs> which I yeah. think worked well. Ray Bruce, who had a part of the documentary in the footsteps of Paul, will hear David Suchet read from scripture a little bit later. But honestly, it's as if you're hearing Paul dictate it to his scribe. But after the program, I want you to take a special journey, discovering places and things about the Apostle Paul that you've never seen and maybe never known. And for your generous fiscal year-end gift, we'll send you the two-part documentary DVD, In the Footsteps of Paul. Here's the number to call in a few minutes, 800 6 Five four twenty eight thirty six eight hundred six five four twenty eight thirty six or come to our website, watch the trailer, and then make your gift at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org for in the footsteps of Paul. And let me just mention one other thing. I'll give you more details a little bit later. You're invited to our first ever town hall meeting this Saturday. And so if you would like to join us, it'll be live. Just head over to our website after the program, and there you'll see a link on where you can go, and you can get your invitation to join me. I hope you can make it. More details in a moment. Now Haven Today opens a song called Crown Him. It's not my life to live. Not my song to sing. All I have is here for all eternity. It's not my righteousness, it's not my faithfulness.
blood but his that stands in my defense To Haven today. This is 10,000 Miles with Paul, and I'm Charles Morris, and now let's go to Colossae. We don't hear directly about the city of Colossae in the book of Acts, only that Paul visited the area twice on his missionary journeys. The first time, Dr. Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, tells us that Paul went to the region of Phrygia to preach the gospel because the Lord forbade him from preaching in Asia. Might sound a little strange. Why would the Lord forbid Paul from preaching the good news? Well, we don't know exactly, but we do know that the Lord planned to use Paul to speak the word to the highest court in the entire Roman Empire. And at the end of Acts, we see Paul using his Roman citizenship to exercise his appeal to Caesar. He was on his way to the capital city to plead his case personally. We don't always know why the Lord closes doors or blocks our way, but we can always be sure that the Lord wants to use us for his glory wherever we find ourselves. And that's how Paul wound up preaching in Colossae. This young church became precious to Paul. It's in the church in this city that we find not only a letter that we have kept for us in the New Testament today for his church, but also a personal letter, Philemon, written to one of the leaders. It's the letter written to Philemon, Paul's friend and colleague that I want us to look at today. And if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, then you know Colossians is a favorite text for sermons about how great our Lord Jesus Christ is. The Christ hymn that Paul recites at the beginning of the book is enough to bring tears to your eyes. Charles Spurgeon, who many have called the Prince of Preachers, commented once that the Apostle Paul seemed to burn and glow as he wrote these words about Christ being far above all earthly thrones, the creator of all things, in whom the fullness of God dwells bodily, the one who is preeminence above all things. Beautiful. But we don't hear a lot about Philemon, do we? I'm not sure if I've ever heard a sermon from this small but mighty book. It has no chapters, only 25 verses, but in it we find a treasure trove of insights from Paul as he writes to his friend Philemon, who was a leader in that early church. And Paul wrote him this letter on behalf of Onesimus. Philemon. Paul a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. 
also to Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. It is as none other than Paul, an old man and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. And one thing more, prepare a guest room for me, because I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. It's not really a book. We sometimes call it that, but the letter of Philemon, read for us by David Suchet. Onesimus was a former slave bound to Philemon. And slavery, if you've ever read anything about it, was harsh in those days. It wasn't as comfortable as some people make it out to be. But slavery in the ancient world was not at all like the slavery we are familiar with. It wasn't based on your race, and the people weren't treated like possessions, like cattle. Slaves in the ancient world usually became slaves by choice, maybe to pay off a debt, and in some cases to have access to education they would not have had access to otherwise. That Paul recognizes Zonesimus as a slave does not mean that the Bible endorses slavery as we know it. It does not endorse it. And Christians through history have stood on the Bible to oppose that kind of slavery. Maybe that's obvious, but maybe it's not that obvious to everyone. We have to keep it in mind. 
The story of Onesimus and Philemon is quite interesting. He had run away from Philemon as a pagan, as a non-Christian. But then he met the Apostle Paul. And Paul says he met Onesimus while he was in chains, meaning while he was in prison. It's not something we think about all that often. We see guys on the side of the road in orange jumpsuits or in a courtroom. We know they are prisoners, but we don't see chains that much. Paul's chains were never removed. He spent a good portion of his Christian life in and out of captivity, eventually dying at the hands of the state. We don't know how it happened that Onesimus met Paul, but we do know that he was never the same. Onesimus did not just meet Paul. Through Paul, he met the Savior, and he became royalty. He was free in Jesus Christ. A son of the Most High, he was ready to serve the Lord right alongside Paul, but Paul knew where he came from, and he also knew Philemon. There are two things that Paul says in this letter that always strike me. The first is his unwillingness to command Philemon to receive Onesimus back. Paul had authority as an apostle. He could have told Philemon that Onesimus was now one of the leaders in the church, that even though he was a slave before, he was now a servant of Christ, but he didn't do that. He said, I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Love is always a better motivator than sheer duty. Last week, we celebrated my wife Janet's birthday, and I made her chocolate cupcakes for the very first time. She said they were delicious. And I made them, not because I was good at it, but because I love my wife and I wanted to do things to make her happy and to celebrate a special day for her. Imagine if I had gone through all the effort to make cupcakes and then told her, here you go, sweetheart. I did what I was supposed to do on your birthday. Duty is not a great motivation. I might do the right thing, but there's something off about it. And Paul knew that. And in fact, the Lord knows that. Jesus asks us, he actually commands us to do all kinds of things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't worship money. Don't use authority like the world does, lording over others. These are serious and high callings. But how does he get us to do it? not by threat, but by motivating us, by his love. We love because he first loved us. We love our neighbor, give up our rights and our lives for their sake, not just because it's our duty, but because our Lord gave himself for us. And in that ultimate display of love, through the power of the Spirit working in us, he frees us from our own selfishness, and that brings me to the second thing Paul said that strikes me. Paul encouraged Philemon to think of Onesimus as a dear brother, not just because he was a fellow man, but because he was now a brother in Christ. It's something I always want to go back to. Our faith in Christ unites us to Christian brothers and sisters in a bond that's much deeper, much closer than even our own blood relatives we're bound together by the blood of Christ. In the church, there's no room for a kind of attitude of superiority. We all are equal before the Lord. We're all loved and forgiven at the cross. 
In today's world, we need to recapture our understanding of what it means to belong to the Lord's family first. It means to be forgiven, of course, but it means to be adopted and to be led by the Spirit to honor the Lord with our very lives. As we come to the Lord by faith, we're united with our true family, the same family that will spend endless ages forever praising the Lord together. This is the message of Philemon. This is our hope as we look to Jesus. Before our Father's throne, we pour out ardent prayer. Our fears and hopes are one. Our comforts and our cares. Blessed be the time that binds our hearts in Christian love. We share. today, and that was Sarah Grove with Bless Be the Tie Divine, a program called 10,000 Miles with Paul. That sounds incredible. How many miles have you walked in your life? I know I'm nowhere near Paul's incredible feet, and yes, that pun was intended, but how many pairs of sandals did he go through? Well, I don't think that question is answered But as you watch the special two-part DVD called In the Footsteps of Paul, 
I know you'll get a better understanding about where Paul traveled and what he was doing in those places where he traveled. And as I said already, it's hosted by British actor David Suchet and was originally produced for the BBC. It's a documentary that'll help you read your Bible with a new sense of realism, a better understanding of how Jesus Christ built his church in the first century. Why don't you call us right now for your copy of In the Footsteps of Paul. Make your fiscal year-end gift to help us keep sharing Jesus. And please pray about how generous you can be with the fiscal year-end coming June 30th. Our number to call right now is 800 654 28 800-654-2836. Or go make your gift on our website at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And just before you go, may I invite you to join me this Saturday for our first ever town hall meeting on the internet, live. Just go to our website, haventoday.org forward slash town hall and there you can sign up we're making it secure so that we don't get invaded by zombies on zoom i hope though you'll be able to join me i'm charles morris thank you for coming and being with me won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story it's all about jesus here on haven today Here for your encouragement and your walk with God. This is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Spiritual battle comes in many forms. Sometimes it's all-out spiritual warfare, demonic forces at work, but more often it's our own struggle against what Paul calls the desires of the flesh. And many of those are obvious, greed, lust, anger. But have you ever thought about the battle for contentment? The Apostle Paul talked a lot about contentment, and his life wasn't easy. Time and again, he was beaten, jailed, mocked, and yet he wrote to Timothy that godliness with contentment is great gain. Paul knew his life was secure, bought with the blood of Christ, his reward in heaven, and therefore he was content in Christ. Anchor Devotional is daily encouragement from God's Word. Visit GetAnchor.com.